All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Marvin Haynes walked out of a prison yesterday in Stillwater. He'd been there for uh, about 20 years after he was convicted of uh, killing a flower shop owner in Minneapolis. Uh, Adam, this story is unbelievable to me. Imagine, and, and Marvin has maintained imagine. his innocence, yeah. but imagine if you are wrongfully convicted and imprisoned. You, you lose two decades yeah. of your life. I, I cannot even imagine that. Andrew Marquardt is uh, the chief attorney for the uh, – Innocence Project, the group that helps get innocent people out of prison. And he joins us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. I'm curious, Andrew, I was reading the article in the Star Tribune about this this morning, and the prosecutor who uh, was involved in this case for the Hennepin County Attorney still swears that uh, Marvin Haynes is the guilty person. Uh, Why are you so convinced that he's not? Yeah, you know, he has he has stood by this conviction, but, you know, we think the facts speak for themselves here. And, you know, really what this case is about uh, was eyewitness identifications, which we know is, you know, some of the some of the most problematic type of evidence yep. you can have is really fraught with potential for error, uh, even under the best of circumstances. And in this case, this is not the best of circumstances. They... Uh, there was just a litany of uh, ways in which they deviated from best practices, violated their own internal policies uh, in ways that really undermined any confidence in in these procedures. And, uh, you know, Marvin, at the most basic level, Marvin just didn't match the description that the, the principal eyewitness provided. He was several inches shorter he was about 50, inch, uh, 50 pounds lighter than what she described. Uh, really strikingly, he had, you know, a, a pretty uh, large afro at the time, and she described someone with short-cropped hair. I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, so, you know, based, based on all this evidence, uh, in addition to some other evidence we were able to develop uh, involving recantations from some other witnesses, um, you know, we just think the 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 case clear. This is a, a clear case of uh, injustice, and you know, ultimately, the Hennepin County Attorney's Office saw it the same way, and and agreed to vacate his conviction. Andrew, I know this is a weird question, but why then? Why did this happen? You're saying the two eyewitnesses that they had did not provide reliable information. I did a little reading, and I, I know it said, and please forgive me if this is hearsay, If I don't know if this was admitted or not, but <clears throat> that one of the reasons that he was convicted, Marvin, was because he was bragging about the murder to friends. Um, a, did that happen? And then B, if there was unreliable information eyewitness information how does an innocent man go to prison for 20 years well sure i mean that's a, i mean that's a very good question uh, as, to, as to the first part of your question uh there were witnesses at trial who said that marvin had made some incriminating statements um you know one of those witnesses tr- actually tried to recant from the stand 
and was threatened with perjury charges and ended up um, recanting his recantation. Now, he, he testified in our evidentiary hearing a couple weeks ago and said, you know, it was all a lie. He, he, the only reason he made those, those statements was that he was threatened with his own criminal charges if he didn't cooperate, you know, was told that he could be charged uh, with aiding an offender after the fact and could face half of the prison time that Marvin would be facing. And he was a 14-year-old kid. So that, I mean, that's terrifying, right? Um, so ultimately gave that statement. And there was another witness who gave similar testimony. He recanted to us as well. So, you know, we we feel confident that that, that testimony uh, was also um, inaccurate and, and uh, does nothing to, to bolster any confidence in, in Marvin's conviction. We're talking to uh, Andrew Markward, leading attorney for the Innocence Project, talking about um, the Marvin Haynes case. Now we've got this case. We had the Mayan Burrell case, which also involved the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, uh, which was then led by uh, now Senator Amy Klobuchar, of course. Uh, what kind of issues, Andrew, do you have with how prosecutors, not only in this case, but some of the other cases you've dealt with from this county attorney's office during this period of time, uh, the practices that they used um, to get these convictions? Do you find a lot of problems uh, with those? You mean 20 years ago, Adam? 20 years ago, correct, okay. yeah. Yeah, you know, there there have been, um, as you know, more more than one notable case coming out of that era um, you know, I think it was an era in which, um, you know, a lot of people were being charged with crimes and incarcerated. Um, a lot of young black men, uh, particularly in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, I think there was just, um, unfortunately, some some people got um, caught up in, in this. And and things were not always done the way they should be. I just, the, so, uh, just to clarify my question, too, anything out of the ordinary with this prosecutor's office, as opposed to you know back twenty years ago, maybe we had, there was limited uh, evidence gathering procedures that this was common practice in other uh, prosecutors' offices across the country that have changed yeah, since then. Sure, I don't know that there was anything particularly different about the Hennepin County Attorney's Office, but I think there was. Uh, generally less sensitivity to the potential for error. Uh, I think there was just sort of less, we knew less then about how some of these police procedures could go badly wrong. Um, And I think there was generally this kind of tough on crime mentality that, that often uh, resulted in um, rushes to judgment and, and failure to take proper precautions. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And also remember, Adam, and I've we've read about this with other Innocence Projects uh, folks, like the prosecutor wants a win. The, they want and, – and, and you know what? The community wants somebody behind bars right. for the killing of an innocent person in their flower shop. I mean that was a devastating murder. 
So um, I get uh, there's probably public pressure for that also. But actually, Andrew, let's talk about that. If Marvin Haynes didn't do it, who did? I don't know. I honestly, I, w- I wish I did know because for the type of work we do, having a you know having an alternative perpetrator really helps a lot um, and can can make for a, a stronger innocence case. So I, I wish I knew. I, I don't know, and I, I'm not sure we'll we'll ever know. So you know, it's interesting. If, and we had a press conference yesterday uh, with Mary Moriarty, the, the Hennepin County attorney, and you know she she noted that there this that the state really failed a number of different groups in this case including the victim and the victim's family uh because they went after the wrong guy and really you know didn't achieve justice or any kind of meaningful finality for for the victim's family and at this late date who knows if that will ever be uh achieved that you know there's not dna in this case which is the kind of thing that might help uh, solving a, a case after so many years. So I, I don't know, but um, but it's a but, good it's, uh, and it's a fair point for his Marvin. Yeah, for his for as great a day it is for Marvin Haynes, the family of Randy Shearer. Uh, I mean, it's a horrible day, and I mean, thinking that the person they thought who committed the crime was brought to justice. Now that's not the case. And now they have those questions. And it's unsolved. I mean, that's grief all over again, that they have no closure, no justice. And um, I, I, do you know, Andrew, if they're going to be reinvestigating, if Hennepin County is going to be reinvestigating this to find the person who did it, or they have any other leads? I I don't know. I don't know. So, and yeah, to your point, I mean, obviously, and no, nothing about this takes away from the from the loss that the Shearer family right. experienced. Yep. I mean, it's a horrible tragedy, um, and uh, you know we we moved towards uh, resolving one of the yeah. tragedies yesterday. But you know, there's still a hole in the family, and, and we recognize that, and that shouldn't be forgotten. Andrew, for Marvin Haynes, what kind of compensation does he get for being in prison all this time uh, wrongly? I mean, what, what are his next steps? What kind of action can he take to try to get, obviously, he's not going to get that time back, but what kind of recourse is there? Sure. So um, the, in Minnesota, we do have a statutory regime for compensation for people who have been wrongfully convicted. Um, so he... I, I'm 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 quite confident will will qualify uh, under that statute. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, get some meaningful compensation for for the injustice he suffered. Obvi- obviously, you know, no amount of money can can compensate for having two decades in your prime taken away from you. But I, I, I we do we do hope that you know he will um, be able to get some compensation to help restart his life so legally um, there's no structure in minnesota that if you're wrongfully incarcerated you get x amount of dollars does will he have to sue the hennepin county no there there is a, a statutory mechanism uh you know he'll have to file a petition and uh you know there's various buckets of of um damages that you can recover for it's a the, i mean the way it works is you get a baseline of fifty thousand a year and then individualized damages based on your uh, particular injuries uh, above and beyond that. Andrew Marquardt is leading attorney for the Innocence Project. Can you tell us how you de- how what kind of cases uh, 
are you take uh, at the Innocence Project? What kind of due diligence do you do to say, okay, this is a case that I think uh, is worth our time? Sure. Well, one thing I, you know, I always want people to understand is we have extremely demanding standards before we ever take a case. So we, we do a lot of investigation before we say, yeah, this is one um, that we we're going to get behind in part because we have limited resources in part because, um, you know, there just are many cases that, that don't, you don't have a realistic possibility of success. So if we're taking one, you know, that, that it's been pretty thoroughly vetted and, and I hope people will, will understand that, you know, we're looking <coughs> for, for cases, um, with all, any any number of issues, I mean, this was an eyewitness ID case. We're always interested in those because we know the errors there. Uh, we look for cases involving false confessions, uh, cases involving forensic evidence. You know, the innocence movement really got its its start around DNA, and we still are always interested in cases um, that present DNA or, or other types of forensic evidence. Cases that involve um, junk science. There's, there's a lot, unfortunately, all too much uh, bad forensic science in courtrooms that can result in wrongful convictions. So those are those are ones we look at at as well. We're speaking with Andrew Marquardt. He was the lead attorney on Marvin Haynes' case. Andrew, before we let you go, what was that moment like when you know the judge said that Marvin could be released and he was released to his family? I what was that like being there? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, first we found out uh, a few days ago that the, the state was going to agree to vacate his conviction, and, and we got to tell him on his birthday, which was which was pretty incredible. Uh, he thought we were just calling to wish him a happy birthday, and we got to tell him that he was going to be going home, and he, just the emotion was, was pretty overwhelming. But yesterday was incredible to see him walk out those doors to his, his family uh, and, and friends, people who have stuck by him. All this time, um, it was it was just a, it was a really beautiful thing. Andrew, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, appreciate it, and thank you for the work that you do. And um, we'll reach out again. Thank you for having me, Andrew Markwart, uh, leading attorney for the Innocence Project. Ten forty-eight. You imagine? I can't, and let's react I to this mean, after the break wow. because, and I hope uh, for the sake that um, of uh, uh, certainly of Marvin Haynes and everybody else involved. That that transition back to a life like that is a difficult one, and we've seen so many people fall into traps after because it's such. I can't even imagine what yes, transitioning from prison life for two decades right. and what kind into of real life. Right. And he was six, seventeen when he went to prison. Right.